Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are many people in this world who struggle with something called attention deficit disorder. Uh, Maybe you're one of those people. Attention deficit, deficit disorder, or ADD for short, it's a condition where people struggle to concentrate or stay on a task, and they are highly distractible. Perhaps, again, perhaps some of you struggle with that condition in your own life. But even if we are not diagnosed with ADD, we probably all have times where we easily lose concentration. And even if we don't, there's another kind of ADD that probably affects us all. Something I call spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder, Spiritual ADD for short. You see, we all can easily distract ourselves from the gospel of Christ. And we can face periods in our lives where we struggle to concentrate on the message of our great salvation. Or else maybe we just stop focusing on it altogether. And this is something our text from Hebrews 2 warns us against. It says we must pay close attention to the message of our great salvation. It's a message, this great salvation, we must learn to take to heart, to hold on to forever, and to keep our eyes focused on always. And so as I proclaim to you God's word this morning, I'll do so under the following theme and points. We must pay very close attention to the message of this great salvation. And we'll see, we must pay very close attention to it, first of all, because it's the most important message from God. Uh, Secondly, uh, because we could drift away from it. And finally, because there are consequences if we neglect it. Now, we don't know for certain who wrote the book of Hebrews. However, we do know to whom, we have a good idea to whom this letter was written. This letter, which functions like a sermon, was in all likelihood written to Jewish Christians. You see that right in the very first verse of this book, chapter 1. There it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And the fathers here refers to the ancestors of the Jews. And the prophets refer to the Old Testament prophets in Israel's history. God sent those prophets to Israel of old. Now, sometime after Pentecost, these Jews heard the gospel of Christ, and they put their faith in Him. They were then baptized in the name of the triune God, and they joined the fellowship of the believers, the church. And for quite some time, the church at Jerusalem was by far the largest church in that time period, in the time of the apostles. But even though many Jews in the time of the apostles believed in Christ, this didn't mean it was always easy for them. For starters, for these Jewish Christians, so many things had changed. 
For example, the temple in Jerusalem lost its significance. And ever since the time of Solomon, the temple had been the center of Israelite worship. And three times a year, Israel had to gather in Jerusalem for one of the feasts. But now, after Christ has come, after the Spirit has been poured out, the temple has become obsolete. And the church, the gathering of believers, was the new temple of God. A big change. And these Jewish Christians, they no longer needed to offer the animal sacrifices for sin. Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, putting an end to every other sacrifice for sin. And these Jewish Christians, they also no longer needed to separate themselves from the Gentiles. In fact, being in the same uh, church as Gentiles meant, by definition, having fellowship with them, close fellowship. And this in itself may have brought persecution from their fellow Jews who did not come to Christ. And so, even though they may have rejoiced that they have discovered the Messiah, Jesus Christ, it was still all so new, so life-changing, so challenging. And sometimes it It may have seemed to go against every way they had lived life before they came to Christ. And with the changes, some of them may have even wondered if they were now ignoring God's warnings in the Old Testament. For example, on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, the Israelites were strictly commanded to do no work and to afflict themselves. In fact, anyone who did would be cut off from God's people. God even said He would destroy them. So, a strong command, right, in the Old Testament, but now that they come to Christ, it applied no longer. What did all this mean for these Jewish Christians? It meant that in order to persevere in the Christian life, these Jewish Christians would need some firm teaching and even some strong warnings to keep on the right path. To keep holding on to Christ. And that's indeed what we see throughout this letter. The book of Hebrews, if you read it from start to finish, contains strong warnings at times to keep these Jewish Christians on the right track. We see the very first example of that in our text. Listen to our text. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What's he referring to here? What is this thing we have heard that we need to pay attention to? Well, to understand this, we need to go back right to the very beginning of chapter 1. Let me quote verse 1 again, and then also verse 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He has spoken to us through his Son. It's amazing when you think about what the author of Hebrews is doing here. 
The inspired author makes a, a sort of contrast between the Old Testament Word of God and His Word spoken through His eternal Son, Jesus Christ. You have God speaking to Israel through men like the prophets, and then you have God speaking through His Son. And, and we see that same contrast coming up in our text also a little bit. In verse 2, we read about the message declared by angels, refers to the Mosaic covenant, God giving that covenant through angels. And then in verse 3 and 4, he contrasts that message spoken through angels with a message of our great salvation declared first by our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, we must pay much closer attention to that message spoken to us through God's Son. Or we can translate it like this, it is necessary to pay close attention to a far greater degree to the things you have heard. It is the message of salvation first spoken through the Lord, then the apostles to them. Now, when we hear that, some of us might be wondering, well, how could we possibly contrast God's Word in that way, right? It's all God's Word, isn't it? Is the author of Hebrews saying, and am I saying, you know, one part of God's Word is more important than another, or that the Old Testament has somehow become irrelevant? No, it's not what we're saying. But listen to the logic of the inspired author of Hebrews. In chapter 1, he emphasizes, in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. And that is a big deal. After all, look at who God's Son is. And listen to how the Son of God is described in this first chapter. He's the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. God said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And later on, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Messiah had spoken to Israel. And they must listen. And not only that, the Son of God is true God, equal to the Father. Chapter 1, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Verse 6, let all God's angels worship Him. And then verse 10 said about the Son of God, You, Lord, lay the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. The Son of God. And so in Jesus Christ, God has spoken to us through His eternal, divine, powerful, and awesome Son. There's nothing greater than that. And this is God's greatest word to humanity, to His people. Verse 4 of our text says, God went so far as to bear witness to this message of salvation by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts by the Holy Spirit. Right? There's no greater message coming from God than the one sent in, through, and about His Son. 
Right? This is the greatest message spoken by God because it's spoken through the greatest person God could speak it through, Jesus Christ. And so it's not as if with the coming of the New Testament, the Old Testament has become irrelevant or we can ignore it. But this message of salvation in Christ, it changes how we read the Old Testament message. It shapes how we read the prophets and the book of Moses and all the rest of it. We now must read it in light of Christ. See, without this great salvation spoken first by God's Son and then the apostles, the Old Testament would be meaningless. Without Christ, it would lose its power. And that's what these Jewish Christians needed to understand. Their Old Testament scriptures will not help them if they walk away from Christ or ignore the message of salvation spoken to them through Christ. There's no greater message coming from God. Christ is the fulfillment of their Old Testament scriptures. And so they must pay close attention to a much greater degree, even than anything else they'd heard from God before. They miss out on Christ. All the other words previously spoken to them by God will do them no good. Beloved, we need to understand that also. Same thing goes for us. You know, I remember saying this a few months ago, but I'm going to say it again. Listening to the gospel message about this great salvation in Christ. It's the most important thing you will ever do in your entire life. It's true. Listening to this great salvation about Jesus Christ, it's the most important thing you will ever do in your entire life. God, through His Word, has also spoken to us through His Son. This message of salvation has come also to us. And so we too must pay very close attention to what we hear and have heard. We must pay attention to it to a far greater degree than anything else we might listen to in this world. Listen to it. Study it. Hold on to it. Our very lives and salvation depend upon it. Brings us to our second point. So our text gives us another reason why we must pay such close attention to the message of salvation. You can hear it right in verse 1 of our text. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Well, there's always a danger that we, again, we take our eyes off the gospel or that maybe we even lose interest in hearing that message of salvation. Or perhaps it's not so much losing interest in the gospel as being just captivated more by, by other things in this life. Because there are many things that are calling out for our attention. 
And so it can happen slowly but surely, without realizing it perhaps. We stop paying attention to the gospel of Christ as we once did, and then we start to drift, drift away. And think about how that might happen to the first readers of our text. They'd grown up as Jews, followed the Old Testament laws. They were, had been one with all the other Jews in Israel. But at some point, they had come to faith in Christ, and now everything was new, as I had mentioned. But it would be so easy to drift back, to fall back into those old patterns of life that they were so used to living. Their old Jewish friends and neighbors were still there, whom they knew so well, with whom they shared a common language and culture. And those old Jewish feasts were still being celebrated in Israel while the temple still stood. That old way of life had been deeply ingrained in them. So the temptation to drift back, to drift away from this message through Christ would be strong. It might be a continual fight to hold on to this message of salvation. Think about the words also used to warn us here. Spirit warns us against drifting away, drifting away. Now, He doesn't warn us specifically here against suddenly turning our backs against uh, the gospel message, backs on the gospel message. Yes, we need to be on guard against that too. That warning is given elsewhere in the Bible. But here, it's about drifting away. And drifting away is something that happens slowly over time. It might be so subtle that you don't even notice it at first. You might feel strong in your walk of faith at one point. But over time, little habits start to creep in that steer you ever so slightly off the right path. And you might just... Uh, make little excuses for behaviors that hamper your growth in faith. Make a little compromise here and there. Soon it becomes more regular. And then after a period of time of that way of living, you're not as firm in your faith as you once were. You've drifted from that good spot you were in before in your relationship with God. You might not have even realized it was happening at the time, but it happened nonetheless. You know, when I think of something drifting away, I can't help but think of something uh, drifting away in the water at, at the beach. You know, maybe you've been at the beach one summer and you played with some kind of floating toy. Maybe it was an air mattress, maybe a Nerf football, whatever it might be. When you're done using it, you bring it back to the near the shore, but you fail to take it all the way out of the water. And then while you're sitting on the beach, you don't notice that that thing, that floating toy, is starting to drift away. And after about 20 minutes, you suddenly say to yourself, well, where did that air mattress go? 
And then you look down the shoreline, you see your air mattress floating 200 meters away from you. Happened easily, while you didn't notice. And that's one danger we face when it comes to the message of salvation in Christ. We easily get distracted. We might take our eyes off the good news of Christ. Or maybe we slowly introduce bad habits in our way of life of faith, and then we drift away. So we must be on guard. There's so many things calling out for your attention. And it's not that you can never focus on anything else in life but the gospel. But if you let them, those things will crowd out the good news of Christ. It will crowd out God's Word. And they will take over. You know, we might hear the message of salvation every Lord's Day, but then during the week we don't think about God's Word much at all. It doesn't seem to move us, to change us, to guide our lives. And over time, it becomes less and less important. And you know what? I think we face this danger of drifting away even more in our unique circumstances right now. With all the turmoil produced by restrictions, it's easy to develop those bad habits in your life of faith. Right? It's can be easy to get comfortable doing church on your couch at home. It's easy to drift, become complacent. And so we all need to put on extra vigilance, fight against complacency, and stand firm. Pay close attention to a far greater degree to the message of salvation in Christ That brings us to our last point. Our text, again, it gives the main exhortation or command in in verse 1. Pay close attention to what we have heard. And we see three reasons why we must do this in our text. We looked at the first two reasons in points 1 and 2. In point 3, we're going to look at the final one. That is, there are consequences that come if if we neglect this great salvation. You can hear this in verses 2 and 3. There it says, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, what do these words mean? What's it getting at? Well, in these verses, the Holy Spirit is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. And the lesser is the Mosaic Covenant made with Israel at Mount Sinai. That's a message declared by angels. And what do we know about that old covenant God made with Israel at Sinai? Well, we know there were consequences for neglecting it. Our text alludes to that when it says, The message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Right? We can see that when we read the Old Testament, that God was serious about His covenant. Uh, Yeah, we see many examples of that in the book of Moses, 
For example, in Numbers 15, the Israelites found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day while they were in the wilderness. He was taken outside the camp and, and stoned to death. Right? That's, that's a, a stark example. But the author alludes to examples like that to argue from the lesser, what happened in the Mosaic Covenant, to the greater situation in the New Covenant. Right? If that was true of the Old Covenant, that those who violated that covenant received punishment, how then shall we escape, that is, escape punishment, if we neglect such a great salvation? Right? If this message of salvation in Christ is the most important message spoken by God, and it is, and how much more do we not deserve to be punished if we ignore it or turn our backs on it or don't believe it? Right? There's consequences for disobeying the gospel message. And you can hear some of that throughout the rest of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Chapter 10. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? And has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the spirit of grace. Right? Those are consequences. So we must take heed and listen to it. But on the flip side, right? That's the negative side. There's also this side of it. The message of Christ. It's a message of a great and wonderful salvation. Right? By believing in Christ, by holding on to Him, we receive all His saving benefits forever. Just as we repeatedly hear warnings throughout Hebrews to listen and believe, so we also repeatedly hear blessings and promises for those who do believe and hold on to Christ and pay attention to this message of salvation. Listen only to what comes later in chapter 2. Jesus suffered unto death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Right? Christ went to the cross to die the death we deserve to die so that we would have life and that's true for you who believe. Then in chapter 4, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. And let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? This is why we must pay so close attention to it, so that we know we have someone in heaven who is there on our behalf who intercedes for us so that we might have full access to God's throne of grace. For this is what we have in Christ. Free access to God's throne, 
in Christ Jesus. Chapter 7. Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Able to save to the uttermost, Jesus Christ doesn't give a half salvation. He gives full salvation. And if you believe in Him, beloved, you need never doubt. There is salvation in Jesus Christ for you who believe. And it is a rock-solid foundation or salvation in Him. And though there is more in the book of Hebrews, I'll leave you with one last one from chapter 9. Christ entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption. Christ has bought us forever. And because He has bought us forever, and we can be assured and we can know that we will enjoy everlasting life in Him. Beloved, hold on to this message. Pay attention to it. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ always. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing hymn 43.